Well, good morning. How is everyone this morning? Nice, festive colors out there. I apologize that I'm wearing a suit. I don't even know what that means. Um, let's, uh, let's pray and then we will get into our message this morning. God, I thank you for this day. I thank you for all that it represents. I thank you for the fact that our Savior, Jesus Christ, was not contained by death. God, you are making all things new. You have made all things new. Father, I pray that you would be with us this morning, connect our hearts to the truth that you have for us and the truth of Easter, God. Thank you for Jesus. It's in his name. Amen. Uh, because I want to do something fresh this morning, I want to look at the resurrection from the perspective of Mary Magdalene this morning. Um, it's, there are, we've talked already about this morning, Dave read the, the poem about cycles of life. There are there are cycles in our life. There are times between Easter's. Um, we're going to talk a lot about this morning about death and darkness and doubt and how they were overcome by Easter, uh, the finality of Easter. And, and I, I want to, kind of before we do, understand, give each other permission to know that between today and next Easter, there's going to be lots of times where darkness seems to prevail. Doubt seems to prevail. Hope is, is missing. Purpose in our lives is missing. But I, I think as we see the resurrection from the perspective of Mary Magdalene, we can combat those things. Because ultimately, when Jesus was on the cross, when Jesus was in the tomb, when Jesus met Mary and what Amy just read, there was never ever a time, even on the cross, even when he was bleeding, even when he was being whipped, even when he was dead in the grave, where he was not in complete control. And that's a beautiful truth. As we celebrate the resurrection this morning, there's going to come a time, hundreds of times, between today and next time you see me in a suit, where there's doubt and there's a lack of hope and there's a seeming understanding that evil and darkness is prevailing, and evil and darkness is, is winning. But the fact of the matter is, it doesn't. There's never, ever a time from Friday to Sunday when Jesus was not in complete control. And I've often thought, and Scripture's really silent, about what happens on Saturday. What's going through Peter's mind on Saturday? What's going through Peter's mind when Okay, Jesus dies his last death, and it's, there's darkness, and all the, the earth shakes, and the, temp, the, the veil and the temple is torn in two, and all those things that have finished. What's going on in, in Peter's mind, in John's mind, in Mary's mind? Because I think that's where a lot of times we live our lives. We've seen and, and been affected by the cross and by Easter, but still it appears to us from time to time that darkness and evil is winning, it's prevailing. And so I want to spend our time this morning thinking about that. Um, 
pardon the baseball analogy here, but you guys were in St. Louis, so we remember game six, 2011, right? If we go back and watch that on video right now, how much worry would there be in our hearts, in our minds, as a Cardinal fans? None. Because we know David Freeze hits the home run. Right? There's errors in that game. Do you guys remember? I don't know if you remember that game very well at all, but David Freeze, hero, drops a pop-up, hits him on top of the head. You remember that? A ball hits him on top of the head. And like all kinds of errors, down to the last strike, and then David Freeze hits a triple, and then down to the last strike again, and then Lance Berkman gets the single, and then in the next inning, home run, David Freeze, Cardinals win, we're all jumping and screaming. And that game six perfectly illustrates what we're talking about. We would never go back and watch game six wondering whether or not the Cardinals are going to win this game. In our lives, we will never, no matter how, many, how much darkness appears to prevail, if we go to the tomb right now, we all got on a plane and went to the tomb, it would be empty. There's never a time when that tomb is not going to be empty. And that's the beauty of Easter. But let's walk along this journey with Mary Magdalene thinking through what was going on in her brain, in her heart, all right? So first of all, Let's do some understanding of of who Mary Magdalene was. First, she was called Mary Magdalene because she was from a town called Magdala. Okay? Mary Magdalene was was called Mary Magdalene because she was from a town called Magdala. That now has a different name. We could go there right now. It's called Migdal, but it says the same thing. It's a a different way to say it. Um, And it is on sort of the, the northwestern shore of the Sea of Galilee. And Nazareth, where Jesus was from, is just 20 or so miles south of where this is from, okay? Uh, This is a a picture of Magdala today. You see where those cliffs kind of come together. You can see that valley, a little winding road back there. That's actually a road. And if we walked down that road for a day or so, we would make ourselves to Nazareth, all right? Scripture talks about uh, Jesus after one day teaching on the shores of the Sea of Galilee, he retreated, sought refuge in Magdala, in this town, okay? And probably there, he interacted, or Mary interacted, or Mary witnessed Jesus teaching, or Jesus, so it's, it's a reason where she was from, so it, it can, uh, Jesus and, and Mary Magdalene would have, would have been in the same place. Uh, second thing about Mary Magdalene, many believe her to be a former prostitute, but there's never there's no evidence in Scripture for this. Um, if, I were, if we were to take this a, a pretest on who Mary Magdalene was, and I would say, is Mary Magdalene was a prostitute, true or false? Probably most of us would say true. But there's no evidence in Scripture for that. In fact, it came from about 600 A.D. Pope Gregory wrote a homily assigning Mary Magdalene as an in Luke chapter 7, there is a story about an unnamed sinner who Jesus meets with, and she breaks a, uh, a jar of perfume and wipes his, his feet with it and, and her tears onto her feet, and then she cleans them up with her hair. That's an unnamed sinner there. Pope Gregory, 600 years after the death of Christ, decides, and we all know what the papacy means. The papacy means that it's, if he says it, that's what happened. And so we've, it's kind of put into the Christian mindset that this person in in chapter 7 is Mary Magdalene. Then the next chapter, 
Jesus, Mary Magdalene is mentioned by name, and Jesus puts, take, sends seven demons, casts seven demons out of her. We'll talk about that more in just a second. But ultimately, Mary Magdalene is mentioned by name 14 times in Scripture. But in, verse, in Luke 7, she's not mentioned at all. So we don't know whether this is her or not. Ultimately, it doesn't really matter. But what I want to dispel is the notion that she may or may not have been a prostitute. We just, we just don't know. But I want to kind of get into her idea and, and who she was. Third thing for us. Jesus cast seven demons from her. Mark sixteen nine. Flip there if you want to, but it's also going to be on the screen above me. Mark sixteen nine. We see this is the, the account of, of the resurrection story. Uh, but Mark sixteen nine says, Now when he rose early in the first day of the week, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene, from whom he had cast out seven demons. Here's what I want to relate this story to. There was a time in the relationship between Mary Magdalene and Jesus where Mary encountered her and she was fully aware of, of a problem that existed inside of her spirit. She was fully aware there were demons and it was just hard and there was evil and darkness inside of her. She meets Jesus. Jesus recognizes the darkness and evil that's inside of her. So they're both aware of it. And then Jesus cleanses her from that darkness and that evil. He changes who she is. She, he changes her makeup. This is miraculous. While Mary would be the first one that Jesus appears to in his greatest miracle, the resurrection, this nonetheless, the first encounter that Jesus has with Mary Magdalene is miraculous. There's evil inside of her that they both recognize and Jesus gets rid of it. In a way, this is the conversion experience of Mary. This is just like you and I. When we meet Jesus for the first time, we're recognizing that there's evil inside of us. There's darkness inside of us. There's something that we can't get rid of. We're powerless. It is in control of us. Sin, darkness, evil, powerless over it. It is in control of our lives. And we need help from Jesus to dispel that. So the miraculousness of our conversion is how we can relate to the miraculousness of of what's happening here inside of Mary Magdalene. You follow that? We connect near this is so we can sit in the shoes that Mary Magdalene sits in instead of demons in us it's sin in us that Christ dispels and he gets rid of you follow so then verse or the, the fifth thing Mary was present Mary spends her life ministering to Jesus flip over to, to Matthew 27 again this is going to be on the screen as well but there's the, the different accounts I want to encourage you to do that this week Read the different accounts of, of the crucifixion and of the, the resurrection. Because they, they each have their own writing styles. They each have their own differences that, that the authors pick up on. Uh, so let's flip to, to Matthew 27, reading verses 55 and 56. Understanding that Mary has had demons cast out of her, and now she, she gets her, her purpose from that encounter with Jesus. 55 and 56 of chapter 27. There also were many women there looking from a distance. This is as Jesus on the cross as he's breathing his last breath. Imagine the cross, Jesus hanging on the cross, and Mary and some other women are off to the side watching this happen. There were also there many women looking on from a distance, those who had followed Jesus from Galilee, ministering to him. 
among whom were Mary Magdalene and Mary the mother of James and Joseph the mother of the sons of Zebedee. So there's women there that are following Jesus. And, and the, the point from us, for us to draw from this is that Jesus encountered Mary, cast the demons from her. We, she had her conversion experience. And at her conversion experience, she received the purpose of her life. She was in Galilee when it happened. And, and Scripture says they followed her, him from Galilee. So her role, her purpose in her life for three years of Jesus' life was to minister to his needs. You follow that? You, so ultimately, she's, she's probably helping to prepare meals. She's probably helping to, 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 to provide for his needs in different ways, provide for the disciples' needs in different ways. While they're out teaching, they're connecting and, and, and helping serve Jesus, ministering to his needs. This is the purpose of Mary. And, and it's important for us to connect with as we walk through this process, to get inside of her shoes and understand who she is and what she was thinking. That she had an encounter with Jesus. He saved her from the demons that were inside of her. And in that conversion experience, she received the purpose for her life. So Jesus gave her hope and Jesus gave her purpose. Now, she was also present at the cross. We just read that. Let's read it again from this other perspective, that she's there at the cross watching him die. There were also many women there looking from a distance who had followed Jesus from Galilee, ministering to him, among whom were Mary Magdalene and Mary the mother of James and Joseph, the mother of the sons of Zebedee. Jesus, Mary, was present at the cross. And this is, this is where it, it begins to to hit, hit home for us. This is where I want to press in for us between Easter's. This is where Mary is lying. Imagine what's in Mary's head here in this moment at the cross. Wait a second. This just doesn't make any sense. He obviously, I followed him for three years. He cast demons out of me. I saw him heal people. I saw him walk on water. I saw all of these things. I heard all these reports and saw all these things where Jesus is miraculous. There's no way he can't be who he said he was. But he's dead. And so this is, Scripture is, is really curiously silent about what happens from the time the earth shook and the temple veil tore into and Jesus is dead to the time of the resurrection. We don't really know what happened. We can bring conjecture, but we don't really know what happened. What I'm thinking is happening here because everywhere it shows, it talks about Peter and James and the Marys weeping because Jesus is dead. Doubt is is what's controlling. And, and here's, here's what has just ministered to my heart this week. This darkness that Mary senses on Saturday. Yesterday I was sitting in the parking lot of Hannah's dance studio waiting for her to get finished and just sitting there thinking about Last night was really great, and the Good Friday service we did was, was, was moving and really great. And 
tomorrow, I'm again thinking from Saturday's perspective, tomorrow's going to be, I can't wait to get to preach this message. I can't wait to, you know, be with all of you on Easter. But, but today, what was, what was in Mary's head? The conjecture for me in, in reading from Scripture and the weeping and, the, and just the hardship was that I've given my life for these last three years. Jesus has defined my hope. Jesus has defined my purpose. Everything that she did, ministering to his needs, Jesus met her. And so the response for, her meeting, for him meeting her was to, to serve him and minister him. That was her purpose. My purpose is, is your pastor. But a dead Jesus causes me to doubt that hope and doubt that purpose. And this is the thing. There's going to be Saturdays. There'll be hundreds of Saturdays for every one of us between now and next Easter where darkness prevails. Darkness seems to win. Hope is gone. What, what is going on in her mind? Jesus is dead. How can it be? Are the demons going to come back in me now? What am I going to do with my life? What am I going to do next week? All my life has been spent following these guys, listening to the teaching of Jesus. How many of us spend our time, our idle time, allowing darkness to prevail, thinking to ourselves, my hope is gone. And worse than that, I think, my purpose is gone. Where's my purpose? Why am I here? That's what doubt does to us. It causes, it's, it's a battering ram to our purpose. We wind up sitting in our bedrooms, worried, distraught, weeping, wondering, questioning, doubting, angry. I'm sure Peter was, was this angst-filled dude who was just strong. I'm sure there was anger in him. Jesus, why did you do this? And here's here's the the message of Easter for us this morning, to get inside of the head of Mary Magdalene, to get inside of the head of Peter and understand their Saturday was very real. And your Saturdays that are to come, or maybe you're here this morning, and you just have on pretty clothes and bright clothes, But ultimately, your hope and your purpose is very minimal. But the fact of the matter is, there was never, ever a time from Friday to Sunday when Jesus was not in complete control. There was never, ever a breath that you will take where the tomb is not empty. Do you understand that? In the midst of your doubt, in the midst of Peter's doubt, Sunday was still coming. In the midst of of Mary's doubt and weeping, Sunday was still coming. There's never, ever a time where Jesus is not in complete control and that tomb is not empty. It is physical. We can go there today. We could get on a plane and go there and see an empty tomb. Seriously. Even... In the midst of your doubt that's there. 
Because, number six, as we watch the resurrection from the perspective of Mary, is John chapter 20. We're going to spend a few minutes looking through John chapter 20. So turn there if you would. It's going to be on the screen, but I would prefer you to turn there because I want to dig at this one a little bit. Starting in verse 11. Actually, this isn't going to be on the screen. Go back to verse 9. This is the resurrection, talking about the disciples who were there, seeing the empty tomb. Verse 9, for as yet they did not understand the scripture that he must rise from the dead. Let's get in our mind that the disciples were, were, were pretty dumb when it came to Jesus. All right? And if they were really dumb and spent three years, most of every moment of those three years with Jesus, then chances are we're pretty dumb. Jesus told them many times, I'm going to die and I'm going to rise. But here, John 29, for as yet they did not understand the scripture that he must rise from the dead. They didn't know he was going to rise. It didn't didn't click in their minds. And before we throw stones at these dumb guys, there will be Saturdays in our lives between now and next Easter where we're dumb. We don't understand that it appears evil is winning, But the tomb is, in fact, empty. And Jesus is still, in fact, in control. Verse 11, John 20. But Mary stood weeping outside the tomb. Don't let your familiarity with this passage miss the power of the words here. Mary stood weeping. Get that image of your mind, in your mind, Mary Her purpose and her hope, all found in Jesus, dashed, gone. But Mary stood weeping outside the tomb. And as she wept, she stooped to look into the tomb. Allow these to be images and not just words. Verse 12. And she saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had lain, one at the head and one at the feet. They said to her, woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, they have taken away my Lord, and I don't know where they have laid him. Notice those words there. She doesn't, it's not that she thinks he's alive. Somebody's taken him, and I don't know where they laid him. I don't know where they put him. He's now an inanimate object where they've laid him. And he's my my Lord, the one who gives me my purpose and my hope. Verse 14. Having said this, she turned and saw Jesus standing, but she did not know that it was Jesus. Okay, we've done a good job already this morning relating to Mary, putting ourselves in her place, our conversion experience, our hope and our purpose coming from that conversion experience. Can we put ourselves in the place now? When doubt prevails, darkness prevails, and we don't even recognize a risen Savior standing in front of us. We don't recognize Jesus. In Mary's defense, she's been weeping. You ever tried to see clearly through tear-filled eyes? It's hard. And she was weeping. There's probably tears and pardon, but snot involved, and just hard to see. Verse 15 Jesus said to her, woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? 
Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you've laid him, and I will take him away. Again, she still thinks he's an inanimate, dead object. Verse 16, Jesus said to her, Mary. Look at me. Easter, is, this is Easter. Jesus looking you in the eyes, and you're confused at who he is, and he, he looks you in the eyes and calls you by your name. Mary weeping and filled with doubt, lacking in purpose, lacking in hope, still thinking he's dead. Jesus says, Mary. What's her response? She turned and said to him, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said to her, do not cling to me, for I have yet, not yet ascended to the Father. But go to the brothers and say to them, I am ascending to the Father and your Father, and to my God and your God. And this is the, the beautiful part. Restored hope, restored purpose. Jesus making new the hope and the purpose inside of Mary Magdalene appears in verse 18. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord. Jesus told her what to do, and he went and did it. I have seen the Lord. And Lord, don't mistake the Lord as a name for Jesus. Lord, it's a term, the ruler, authority of who I am. I have seen the ruler and the authority that he had said these things to her. For us, let's spend the next few minutes relating this back to us. Four cycles in our life. First, Jesus demonstrates his love and his power to us. We have a conversion experience. Just like Mary, Jesus demonstrates his love and his power and his authority to us. Second, seeing Jesus rightly gives us our hope and our purpose. And the inverse of that, seeing Jesus wrongly destroys our hope and our purpose. These are the cycles of our lives. Darkness shows up and causes us to doubt our hope and our purpose. This is exactly what happened to Mary and exactly what happens to us. We encounter Jesus. We see him rightly. He gives us hope and purpose. But darkness and doubt tend to prevail and we lose or we doubt our hope and our purpose. The fourth thing, the cycle of our lives. The tomb is empty. Jesus demonstrates his love and his power. Make no mistake, there will be cycles, revolutions of this cycle in our lives continually, over and over and over again. Your hope and your purpose will take a hit. You will be as Mary, weeping, questioning, wondering, unable to see Jesus for who he is. Wherever you find yourself in your life over the course of this cycle, the fourth one is always the fourth one. The tomb is empty. Jesus makes all things new. He restores your hope and he restores your purpose. Jesus is on display for you, full of love, full of power, full of authority. He waits for you. Look at me, Jesus waits for you to see him rightly, 
and call him Lord. Let's pray. God, I thank you for this morning. I thank you for your peace. I thank you for your power. I thank you for your authority. I thank you that you have defeated death. I thank you that our hope is new. I thank you that our purpose is new. God, I pray that you would connect our hearts this morning and our minds this morning that we would be able to relate. Stooping into the tomb, seeing it empty as Mary did, eyes filled with tears, weeping, hearts filled with doubt, questioning, wondering. But Lord, would you grant it this morning that we might see Jesus saying to us, Come to me. God, would you cause us to see you rightly? God, minister to our souls in this moment. Minister to our our current doubting hearts in this moment. Minister to our future doubting hearts in this moment. Burn this into our brain that you stand outside of the tomb filled with life, filled with power, filled with authority, giving us hope and giving us purpose and saying to our hearts, come to me. Looking us in the eye, calling us by our names and saying to us, come to me.